Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Tuesday edition of the WRSU crew. Eddie Kalegi here with Brett Hahn and Gideon Fox. Alex Carminati and Ellis Gordon will be joining us in a bit. Lots to get to today. An exciting Tuesday as the spring semester nears its end. Just a couple more weeks and as we head into the latter stages of April, the semester has gone by very quickly. But uh, Rutgers baseball uh, is making time fly with their 16th consecutive win today. They're now up to number eight in the country. They had three consecutive come from behind wins against Indiana this weekend and then today not so uncertain and the offense was right back at it a 19 to 1 route of the Iona Gales who came in with just one win this season and Rutgers scattered the scoring throughout the game but it was an 11 run second inning that broke it wide open Wyatt Parliament picked up his fourth win of the season on the mound Jordan Sweeney who had such a great weekend was dominant in this game and uh, hit a couple of home runs Joshua Kuroda Grower had a three-run home run as well in the eighth inning and Rutgers baseball, 31-6, and six, getting the respect in the standings and in the rankings as well, and really looking like this team could be destined for a really magical run deep into the spring. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's like you said, they've they just been an electric offense. I mean, they put up 19 runs today again, uh, it, it, plus 18 run differential between them and Iona, and they've won 16 in a row. This is the best Rutgers baseball team we've seen. This is the first time we've seen them ranked in a long, in a long time, and and it's great to see because, you know, because spring, the spring weather and the spring months are associated with baseball. It's a time where everybody gets a fever dream for a home run, gets excited about a strikeout, gets even more even more static on a walk-off when everybody crowds the plate uh, celebrating the player that just hit the biggest hit of the game. And seeing Rutgers baseball on top in, in a season where um, – or, or in a time frame, excuse me, where – baseball is dominant and baseball is the most talked about thing is just for for the students for the fans and for the players themselves it it must feel fantastic and also I've noticed just the turnaround for this team if you look back at their schedule like in mid-march especially when they played Hawaii and Nebraska Omaha they only went three and four over that stretch since then they are 18 and one and it's been against some very tough opponents especially in big 10 play they got another one coming up this weekend in Iowa who have one arguably the best pitching staff in the conference. And Rutgers, though, has played really well so far in Big Ten play against Indiana, Nebraska, at home and on the road in the conference. So, really, they've, they've proven it on all ends. Yeah, and they're 11-1 and in conference. That one game that they lost came in their first series, um, their Big Ten series. That was on the road. It was a part of a doubleheader against Penn State on a cold, cold March Friday afternoon so I mean even one loss like that is like it's okay it's baseball at any level it's a long season if you drop a game here or there that, that's not the end I mean this team's lost six games so far the 31 and 6 11 and 1 in conference now 13 and 0 um, over at Baton Field and excellent I mean now way past the start of it this is this is the heart of the season this is where things are won and lost and going back to the Indiana series they weren't just come from behind victories they were trailing in the eighth inning in every single single one of those games it wasn't just like they gave up a couple quick runs in the first. It was they were losing the entire game until the eighth inning, and they turned it around. They had two walk-offs. Um, I mean, this team is as cool as it is to see any of any sports team that you were a fan of go out and beat opponents 19-1, to 
you know, any of any of the scores that they've beaten opponents by recently, 23 to 3, 19 1, um, 9 4, 9 2. It's almost even more indicative of a, of a well-built team, a team that's able to come back and actually play real games because all three of those Indiana games, none of them were gimme games. Those were all games that the team had to fight hard for and really came down to the wire. So, I mean, I would, I'm happy that the team finally, they had some experience too. They, they faced adversity in Eddie, like you mentioned before, they lost games earlier in the year and they got close to losing some games really recently. And even though they didn't lose them, it's somewhat of a heat check. It's like, okay, this is, sure, we could play Mammoth and we could play Iona and we're going to play Princeton tomorrow. But we're going to play some real opponents, and they're going to give us a run for our money. We can't just expect every game to be easy. Um, and then, of course, Indiana gave them a run for their money, and, and as Rutgers Athletics does, they sent the Hoosiers packing. I mean, this is – I just think this team is built for so much success and a deep success too. I mean, in any series, if, let's say Rutgers lost the first game against Indiana. I'm going to say it was a reverse score, and, Indi- and Indiana won 5-3. I have no doubt this team would have come out and played the exact same – even you know, with even a fiercer mentality for the next two games. So I really think this team is built for the stretch. This team is built to take on adversity. Um, it's going to be really exciting to see where this team goes. And we've mentioned the all-around talent on this team, and tops in the Big Ten in batting average, in ERA, and in fielding percentage. So they're leading the way on all three sides of the ball. But I think something that's really interesting, and it's going to be fun to pay attention to down the stretch here with Rutgers, Obviously, they're up to number eight in the coaches poll. USA Today poll still has Rutgers down at 26. And I know some people are going to complain about that. But obviously, we know how strong baseball is, especially in the South and in the Midwest. And my question is, Rutgers, if they can get through the Big Ten, if they have, you know, finish out this season as strong as they've been going right now and make a run potentially to regionals and get to play in the College World Series, this team hasn't really, at least in its out-of-conference play, it's been a lot of local teams, and they played in a couple of tournaments early in the year, but you don't see any real ranked opponents standing out there. They haven't played against any teams from the SEC or the ACC. I'll go to Brett on this first. Do you think that this roster has the makeup, has the capability to really stack up against these SEC, ACC teams that they may come across down the line who you know they haven't really faced off with before? Yeah, I, I don't see why they don't. I, I mean... It all goes back to Gideon's point of the the eighth inning surge that this team is on. It, it shows something about a team when you're down late in games and you don't quit, and, and you find a way to win. It's it, it's like the, it's the common theme with t- with teams in sports. Good teams find a way to win, right? And, and and Rutgers, despite being down in less than ideal circumstances in a, a few of these games recently uh, against you know uh, against uh, Indiana a couple times. And, and and even against Penn for a little bit, but point being that um, the the fact that they still fought, they still continued to come up big in the moments because they of that mentality, never giving up. They they didn't let the pressure get to them. They were calm, cool, and collected. Um, took took the pitches as they come, not swinging, trying to force anything, and and it's produced results. Now. The, the main debate that everybody goes to and always will go to is strength of schedule. Now, with USA Today's poll, you can argue that they're ranked so low because of that. And I understand. In college basketball, in a sense, it kind of reminds me of Gonzaga. Everybody sleeps on Gonzaga every year because they play a soft schedule, they play in a soft conference. And, and then they come out with a number one seed and they end up making these runs and everybody's like, oh, we should have never doubted Mark Few's team in the first place. I, I, I feel like Rutgers baseball right now is in that same playing field this is a different looking team 
This is a team that nobody's going to look at because of the strength of schedule, because they haven't been in this position before. Excuse me. And I think they're going to surprise people this year. And and if they make it to the College World Series, I mean, you can never count somebody out until they're out. Yeah, and that's sort of, you know, the conundrum. I was talking to a couple of friends who uh, are from the South and go to, the, you know, fans of SEC schools, and I was talking about how great Rutgers baseball is right now, and they were like, well, great, great that they're doing well against their schedule. They're not facing against SEC opponents. But you know what? The fact that Rutgers has been this dominant in fielding, in pitching, at the plate this year, and just the way that this team just never gives up. I mean, I was sure they were going to drop one of those games against Indiana. When they made the comeback on Friday and they were down two and they came back to win that game. Then on Saturday, I was calling the game with Ellison. They were trailing in the eighth inning, and I was like, they, they can't do it again. There's two outs, and then Jordan Sweeney gets the bases clearing triple. And then I I was watching the game on Sunday where they're trailing and in the eighth inning they have their chance but they can't come through Ryan Lasco can't get the runner home and then Santa Maria got out and they they couldn't get the runners home and then I was like oh well maybe it's finally going to end they get a game tying home run and then Jordan Sweeney cracks the game winner over the wall and they get 15 in a row so this team is just so talented in so many ways and they can beat you in so many ways and kind of like what Gideon was saying they don't have to score 15 runs to win a game because their pitching has been so great, and we've seen them win these lower-scoring battles in Big Ten play, which is good because you can't expect a team to be putting up double digits on the, at the plate every single game. So I think that Indiana series, Gideon, was just really, really important for this team and really proved that Rutgers can win games in more than one way. All I'm going to say when it comes to the SEC is we want Bama. <laughs> I mean, it's great looking at any sports rankings and seeing Rutgers number eight, Alabama number 24. Um, but when it comes down to it, I mean, sure, ACC, SEC are hotbeds for, for baseball. And that's something that is, I mean, you look at you look at the ballparks. I mean, Eddie, you've seen Nebraska's ballpark, but I mean, that that's a rarity in the Big Ten. Bayon Field doesn't even have lights. You know, all these games are played in the afternoon because they can't play at night. And it's just, there's just, there's so much more invested in those programs. That's not to say that Rutgers can't beat them. I mean... It's college sports, you know, marches in a rearview mirrors, but any team could beat any team. Um, I think it's going to be interesting for Rutgers when they take on Maryland. Uh, Maryland is a top Big Ten team. Um, Illinois is the only school separating Rutgers and Maryland. The standings go Rutgers, Illinois, Maryland. Uh, Rutgers will not play Illinois, um, at least in the regular season. Um, but they play Maryland March 6th, 7th, and, or excuse me, May 6th, 7th, and 8th um, at Baton Field. And I think having those games... Obviously, at Baton Field, gives Rutgers a little bit of advantage. You know, it's your home field. Um, that's prime baseball weather in May. Um, you know, sure, it would be interesting to see the way that Rutgers would stack up against, you know, if Rutgers played a three-game series against Tennessee, who's one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in the country right now, they'd probably lose all three games. Maybe they would scrape one out. But it definitely would be interesting to see Rutgers compete in an SEC schedule. I just think that if Rutgers is dominating in these games – and blowing out opponents, I think that it doesn't fully balance out the strength of schedule argument, but it definitely takes a dent out of it. Yeah, and you know, I I, I was even looking at the NCAA rankings like while you were while you were talking about that getting, and you know, I see teams like LSU twenty three and twelve, TCU a team twenty four and twelve. They weren't ranked before; they they made their way in the top twenty one or top twenty, I should say. Um, you got Oregon 24 and 11 now number 20 not ranked previously and you know you you look at the Rutgers team and you you compare them to 
teams that are here now record wise you think they should be there the but the you know the voting obviously favors you know strength of schedule conference all these different things and you know we we've got into it with other sports how the ap voting system for college college teams is a little bit flawed but that's that's you know that's off topic um but but point being that the this Rutgers baseball team even though you know it's not the ideal circumstance it doesn't fit the to AP top 25 narrative per se they've shown consistently that through defense clutch hitting and a, a general awareness on the base paths that they've been able to just you know they've been able to get wins grind out wins in multiple ways and show that they're a versatile team that if one facet of the game's not going right for them that they're going to be able to adjust in another if, if the pitching's not off the hitting will step up if if the pitching's on point maybe the hitters aren't getting you know what they want specifically a, a little they'll make the most of what they have on base and run run the bases hard uh never ne- never give up never jog to the base you know R- running the first off the ground a ground ball they're sprinting to the base they're not jogging and it, it's the kind of hustle and the kind of grit and the kind of tenacity that this Rutgers baseball team has shown that really separates them and and I feel like they're going to get their recognition in due time yeah for sure well you you meant you kind of mentioned the AP polls and it got me thinking about college football and We've got football action this weekend at SHI Stadium this Friday. It's the spring game for Rutgers, the Scarlet and White game, 2022 edition. Great to have the game back and with fans in attendance. And it's going to be a fun game. we got uh, five of us, including me and Brett, will be on the call for WRSU. So that should be a good time. And, uh, I mean, just talking about this game and looking at a Rutgers team, of course, just got to a bowl game last year, the Gator Bowl, in unique circumstances, got to play in that, a 5-7 and season um Gideon I'll go to you first of course the spring game very small sample size but it can give you some signs about the team heading into the the fall what are some things you're looking for for improvement for Rutgers uh that maybe we'll see in the spring game but obviously in the 2022 season um first I'm excited to see how the O-line uh excuse me how the O-line stacks up last year we came into the season with a pretty good O-line um compared to the rest of the team but because of injuries um, we had to start a lot of guys who were who had just transferred had only come from JUCO. A lot of guys who were just came to college uh, in general. So I'm excited to see how a healthy O-line plays. And I'm excited to see how Gavin Wimsatt stacks up. Um, I feel like everybody's going to have their eyes um, on Gavin. We saw glimpses of him in the in the fall season. We never really, really saw him in charge of the offense. You know, presumably he's probably going to get some, he'll be in charge of a couple of drives uh, later this week, I'm just really excited to see um, his long ball because I think that's something that Rutgers has struggled with a lot recently. They've had an ability to move the ball on the run game. They were passing, you know, screen passes left and right last year, um, a lot of which were dropped or were, you know, barely got any yardage. I'm excited to see how Gavin Wimsett is able to to air out the ball a little bit. Um, you know, I don't want to kind of I don't want to see his entire skill set on display because I think he's he's young. He's got a lot of room to improve, a lot of time to improve too. Um, there's just no point in him going out there and playing the toughest that he's ever played before in a Scarlet Knights uniform. Everybody knows that he's going to be the quarterback of the future. He doesn't really have to prove it to anybody. All he has to do is prove that he's improved since the fall season. And I think a lot of people, including myself, would be satisfied. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I was watching an interview, I think, 
two weeks ago when the coaches clinic happened here, Mike Quick was talking to Coach Shiano, and obviously Shiano didn't want to give out too much information in terms of the quarterback battle, but he simply said that everybody who's in the quarterback battle, he's seen improvements throughout this spring and that it's an open competition and we'll see how it develops as we approach the spring game. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Gavin Wimsett did prove himself and just the fact that he was thrust into a unique situation coming literally right from high school to be added to the Rutgers roster and then played in some pretty meaningful games and had the crucial play against Illinois for example and we saw him have a couple of good plays against Indiana and then we saw the crazy rotating thing they, that Shiano did in the Gator Bowl where basically every play he had different quarterbacks coming in from the sideline. Vedral, uh, Langan, even Simon and then Wimsat. so it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, we got Ellis Gordon here, so might as well bring him in on this uh, spring game coming up this weekend. Uh, what are some things you're looking for for Rutgers to improve from the 2021 roster heading into 2022? Yeah, I think the O-line is a great call. Um, Wimsat, of course, is another great call. I'm really excited to see um, uh, to see Wimsat, what he can do out there, because as you know, he didn't get a lot of chance to run the full playbook last year, so I'm excited for that, um, and of course, I think as most fans are, they're excited to see some of the newer prospects, like some of the last year, the high-star recruits that didn't get to play all that last year because it was a freshman season, some of the new guys, so that's what I'm really looking for. What can these new guys do? Obviously, the spring game is kind of hard to stack up what a team's going to, like, what a player's going to look like from the spring game, but, you know, football's football, so you get it's the small sample size, but you got to take it and make storylines and run with it, so yeah. It's also possible still to see some indications of who might be filling some roles, and there's going to be a lot of voids left on this team. First off on the offense, of course, Bo Melton, Isaiah Pacheco, two of the main weapons on that offense. So we're going to see, obviously, Kyle Manongai could be considered a favorite for uh, getting some time at running back, dealt with some injuries last season. But the receiving core going to look very different and seeing what kind of weapons, whoever's starting a quarterback for Rutgers this year, who they're going to have to work with. And then, of course, defensively, so many defensive players from this team, such as Julius Turner, uh, Fadakazi, and others not going to be there uh, in September. So it's going to be especially on that front seven defensively, seeing who can kind of fill those spots. I think it's going to be interesting, but also now we're going to be in year three of Coach Shiano, and we know how well we, he can recruit. Just look at the first time he was uh, here on the banks, and the talent Rutgers was able to bring in four or five years into his tenure when they had Ray Rice and Kenny Britt and the McCourty brothers, just all of them there at one time. So obviously we know he has the potential to bring in some elite talent, and specifically from the tri-state area, players that had kind of wanted to go away and not go to Rutgers over the last 10 years where the program wasn't necessarily at its height under Kyle Flood and Chris Ash. But now with Shiano back, I think it's going to attract some players from New Jersey and New York to want to come back and kind of stay local and play at Rutgers and feel confident about the position they'll be put in. But uh, Brett, I'll open it up to you. What, what are some things you're looking for for the Scarlet Knights? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I, I kind of want to go along with Gideon's point. I, I want to see how Rutgers can expand the playbook on offense. Now, a, a lot of the times last year, we you know we saw how dominant the ground game was, especially in the power run. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco was a bulldozer. I mean, you, you, you saw when the O-line collapsed, that man still managed to go in front for like six, seven-yard gains just by breaking a few tackles. It was awesome to see. Now, the personnel changed, like, like you were saying, Eddie. And I noticed last year, w watching a lot of the games – and, and being here to cover some of them as well, that the the passing game, they they didn't have any real vertical threat, 
right? Bo Bo, Mel Bo Melton has great straight line speed, but he 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 was more known for his work off the screen and his special teams role as a gunner. That's what's getting him a lot of recognition in the uh, NFL draft process, and that's really what he was uh, great at at Rutgers, and deservedly so. Um, but go, you know, going into the spring game, you know, the the story is centered around Gavin Wimsat. Gavin Wimsat, the just the amount of you know anticipation for when he was going to play last year, the careful management of his eligibility. And being able to see more of him this year is definitely going to be the big storyline. And I, I feel like there, there's going to be big expectations. I'm not saying I, I, I'm not saying you know expect anything crazy, but at the same time, you you know as the quarterback of the future, you do need to see some big steps. And in my opinion, that starts with being able to stretch the field and expand the playbook. Something that Rutgers was not able to do in the past game at all last year, and it, it really hampered him at times. So I'm curious to see how they incorporate the new receivers into the game plan. What is your, um, yeah, like all, based on the spring game, Rutgers football. What is your prediction for Rutgers football next year? You think we can get to a bowl game more naturally this time? You think what? What are the what should fans' expectations be for Rutgers football this fall? I see no reason to to think that Rutgers can't win six games next year. I mean, sure, you're losing Melton. Um, who I think should who I, I saw a thing today. Six seems a lot. I feel like six and three. Right? There's nine games. Right? No, wait. There's twelve games. No, it's twelve, 12 games. games. Yeah, five hundred to make a bowl. Five hundred. Um, yeah. Look, Melton is a NFL talent wide receiver. Don't be surprised when he goes fourth, fifth, even third round. I saw one one mock draft had him at third round. I mean, it 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 stinks to lose Bo Melton. I mean, he's a fantastic wide receiver, but we still have a huge wide receiver locker room. That's a lot of experience. Crookshank. Gonna be interesting how he how he's coming back from injury. Isaiah Washington, who played a lot more his freshman year, so he's only a junior right now. Um, he's got plenty of time to develop. He's everybody's got that extra, extra young blood. Had a really good, I had a really good ball. Young blood too, exactly. Um, it'll be interesting the way that Crookshank and Youngblood split on special teams. Um, but you have an experienced, and of course Youngblood hasn't really played a lot at Rutgers. He had a good bowl game, but he he he's a transfer. He had a great career before he came to Rutgers. It's gonna be. Sure, you're losing your number one wide receiver, and anybody that says losing Bo Melton doesn't doesn't hurt it absolutely does. But you still have Crookshank, who's a number two option um, for a lot last year. You still have Shamin Jones, um, who was often used a lot on the screen passes and dropped a couple of them, but still a good receiver. Um, kind of had more of a breakout during COVID. Christian Dremel's a younger receiver. We haven't really seen too much of him. I mean, they, Rutgers still has options at wide receiver, and having them get comfortable with Gavin Wimsatt, especially the younger guys. Dremel, Washington, having them get comfortable with him is going to be huge and something that I'm excited for, A, in the spring game, I'm assuming they're on his team, B, also just for the future. And I mean, I I see, I don't think Rutgers got any worse um, after like after last year. I'm curious if you guys disagree, but I, I think Rutgers has weapons at every position. Also, don't forget about Todd Bowles Jr., defensive back. Just had to throw that in there. But I mean... Wait, what? Is that Todd Bowles is? Yeah, he's on Rutgers. I was I was looking through the roster. Oh. And I forgot he didn't. I mean, he's played no time here. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this team has so much talent still. Um, and it's gonna be exciting to see how the young guys play because it's the team that we're that is gonna propel Rutgers into the future. Um, these are the, gonna be the Geo Baker, Ron Harper, Miles Johnson, Cliff Amores of Rutgers football. I like how you phrased it like that. And yeah, I, I'm looking at the schedule right now. I think six and six is definitely within reach. I think this team is going to make positive steps from last year, despite losing the weapons. Because with the recruiting and with bringing in talent, you know that 
is wants to play for Greg Schiano. I think Rutgers is going to make some positive strides despite all the missing gaps on offense. Looking at their their schedule. One game that I think is actually going to be really important and people aren't really realizing it is playing at Boston College, who have also made some positive strides over the last couple of years in their football program. That's the opener for Rutgers. On the road against Boston College, that could actually prove to be a big game for Rutgers. Obviously, there are other two out-of-conference games, Wagner and Temple. Those could be thought of as good chances to win. Then they play Iowa, Ohio State. Chances are they'd lose both of those. So, either 3-2 and two or 2-3 two and three through the first five, so that Boston College game could be crucial. Then they host Nebraska, and we know how Nebraska has struggled so much in recent years, and the game is but at last SHL. last year, they were one of the most unluckiest teams, so the they were, no, they're no slouch team to beat. They were unlucky, I'll give you that, but at the same time, this game is also at SHI Stadium. I would say that if the game was in Nebraska, I'd say it would be a little tougher, but I think Rutgers could muster the support and maybe rally. There is definite potential for Rutgers to get to six wins and they could the the opt the best way as an optimistic look that they could potentially be through the first eight games is six and two do I see that happening probably not but when you look at the first eight games of this schedule Boston College they could win Wagner and Temple should be wins Iowa and Ohio State they'll lose but then Nebraska Indiana and then at Minnesota those are three winnable games for Rutgers we know how well they play against Indiana and they have even when they've struggled in Big Ten play even under Kyle Flood they played well against Indiana so I I think that's a very winnable game especially at SHI Stadium Nebraska could be a challenge I I will give Ellis that point they were three and nine last year but they lost almost all of their games by 10 or fewer points and they nearly beat Oklahoma, nearly beat Ohio State. They just had a gauntlet of a schedule. So, I don't know. But then the last four games are Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and Maryland. There's the potential they could lose all four of those games. They are home against Penn State. They are home against Michigan. They have to go to Maryland. I think the two most important games on the schedule for Rutgers are going to be that first game at Boston College and that last game at Maryland because those are road wins that you could really use to try to get into bowl eligibility because home games against Iowa, Michigan, and Penn State, even if they're at home, are going to be very, very difficult to win. But I think there is a serious path. There are seven legitimate winnable games on this schedule, maybe eight. And if they could get six of them, they're in a bowl. So I think there is reason to believe that Rutgers has a good chance. Boston College, Johnny Lagan revenge game. Johnny yes. offense. Um, I think that's another player, too, that's going to be interesting to see how Rutgers uses him because we've seen Johnny Lagan, Johnny offense be used in every single way possible. Um, and as much as you can't expect anything out of Johnny Lagan, as, as, as much as opposing defenses, let me rephrase that, um, as, as much as opposing defenses don't know how to prepare for Johnny Lingen, they know that any way to prepare for him, there's there's so much that he can do that now teams kind of understand that. Um, teams know that he's such a unique player, such a unique talent, that they're going to expect, if Johnny Lingen's in the pocket, expect a trick play, What you know, and teams will prepare for that. So it's going to be interesting to see how Rutgers uses him, You know, if they use him to bluff, if they use him in the same exact way as they used him last year. I don't really know if we're going to see a lot of that Friday night, um, but definitely something to look out for come fall. 
Well, Friday night is the spring game. It should be a fun one. And, of course, we've talked a little football and also Rutgers baseball as they move to 31-6 and in the season with their 16th consecutive victory today against Iona, another game tomorrow against Princeton. Well, we're approaching the bottom of the hour. We'll have more to come here on the WRSU Tuesday crew. Eddie Kalegi with Gideon Fox, Brett Hahn, and Ellis Gordon. Locks coming up, SportsCast as well. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the WRSU Tuesday crew on 88.7 WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU. RSU.org. Rutgers based. Locks of the week here on hour one of the WRSU Tuesday crew. Uh, definitely some stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, second full week of the MLB season, three NBA playoff games, NHL postseason nearing it. Uh, NHL regular season nearing its end, the postseason coming up very soon. But uh, maybe I'll send it over to Ellis Gordon first because he's always pretty good with the locks and we'll let you know what his record is before he shares said locks. So Ellis, why, go why ahead. Thank you, Eddie. I mean, if you got something great, you got to flex it, right? <laughs> um, I've dropped two in a row, I believe. I actually forget my last lock. I got to go back at the tape. I'm fifty. I'll say I'm fifteen and four with one lock. Not sure. Last week one, I'm really not sure. I forgot. Um, this week I'm gonna go to the NBA Timberwolves at Memphis. Timberwolves, of course, shocked Memphis, beating them in Game One. But then Ja posts. Is Michael Jordan when he lost game one to, I forget what team, but just Michael Jordan chilling. Pick the video from the last dance. And you know what? I'm riding the high. It's six and a half. I think Memphis beats them and beats the lot, uh, spread, uh, beats the six and a half spread there. And yeah, that's my lock of the week. All right, I'll jump in on this. I'm looking at the baseball lines. Now, I, I had won three weeks in a row somehow. I'd gotten up from 2-10 and 10 to 5-10, and 10, but then last week went poorly because the Yankees, after getting shut out the night before by the Blue Jays, shut out the Yankees them, uh, shut out the Blue Jays themselves. So I lost that one, so I'm down to 5-11. and 11. I haven't done a player prop yet for baseball, and I'm kind of looking at some of these pitchers tonight. And... I don't know. There's there's some compelling matchups. There's some compelling uh, starters to look at. I'm not going to go with the Yankees again. I was thinking about... No, take the under runs. They can't hit the ball to save their life right now. I would do that if I were you. I don't know. I'm actually going to go to the Cardinals-Marlins game because Adam Wainwright is on the mound against Jesus Luzardo, and Wainwright... He can still strike guys out, and he's got that curveball. I know he's 40 years old, but he's still pitching really well. He's coming off one of his best seasons last year. His uh, strikeout line is 4.5. I'd take the over on that. The Marlins, I know, have played pretty well. Jazz Chisholm has gotten off to a really good start to the season, but... I don't know. I, I like Adam Wainwright. I think I think Wayno, you know, he's he's got that curveball working. If he can get the fastball in the mid eighties working, I, I I like it. And the Marlins lineup is still the Miami Marlins. Even though they've improved, they're still the Marlins. So I'm gonna go with Wainwright over four point five strikeouts. Uh Brett, how about you? Ooh, I'm I'm still scrolling through. Um th- think I'm still one game behind Ellis in these uh in these locks. I'm fifteen and five actually. I remember I Oh, chose, we tied now? Yeah, because I right. chose the Blue Jays Yankees like under and they got the over that night. It was six to four and the line was nine. So All by right. the way, gentlemen, good to see everybody. Alex, I'm arrived. Welcome. I'm arrived. I'm back from Baden Field after a Rutgers demolishing of a one and twenty nine I own a baseball team. I kid you not. One and twenty nine. That was their record. They're now one and thirty. 
That's brutal. Oh, my That's goodness. Brutal. Rutgers scored 11 runs at the bottom of the second inning. They batted around the order twice. And we talked about Take it. That, Jordan Sweeney had another massive game. Two home runs, five RBIs, four six. Unbelievable. Incredible stuff. Take that, Rick Pitino. Oh, my. <laughs> I mean, incredible stuff. But Gideon, Mr. Sports Director-Elect, it's good to see you here, sir. You're filling in for Shannon Sharp today. That's what I can tell. Shannon Sharp's scared, I think. I, th I think he's scared of me now. That might be the problem because he knows that the Chicago Bulls are not going to win the first round. There were some interesting developments for, with that that Shannon Sharp actually reached out to me the other day. Okay. So we're going to have to look back at the tape from back in October because he's saying there might be exact words with this bet depending on who the Bulls were playing in the first round. I don't know. What? So, Get the heck out of here. No, 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 no. Don't play that card. What a cap artist. Don't play that card. He did the same thing with Chipotle. He's a cap artist. He's a fraud. Well, we've got to take some time. we got to go back and find the tape. I love you, man, but come on. I'll look at whatever tape you want. Shannon Sharp's just trying to get out of the deal because he knows he's got to own up. And to be honest with you, the more I think about it, I'm willing to give Shannon Sharp a fair chance at getting even with that two-on-two -two basketball game. Me and Gio Baker, him and Luke Nathan. He's more than welcome to take the offer. I'm give I'm willing to give whatever chance he wants to get back even with me. That's fine with me. I don't care, Shannon. I'll give you any chance you want to make it even. But when you go with these, these little snidely Mickey Mouse tricks here, come on, man. Huh. Come on. Well, I Alex, you are a good betting man. Do you have a lock for us? Wait, wait. Well, do I have a lock? I tell you. You guys skipped my poor lock. Brett. Poor Brad. <laughs> you guys skipped my lock. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta I, know, Brett. You I forgot you didn't Brett. say yours. Skip. Nah, no, because well, Alex stepped Alex in and interrupted me. Skip just skipped his lock. Fair enough. <laughs> all right, Brett. No, Brett, Brett, go ahead. Go ahead, Brett. Go no, ahead. But no, all kidding aside, I want to shout out to Alex. I didn't have one in the moment he jumped in and interrupted, so I appreciate that. Brett. And now I do. Go. You know what? It all so, worked out. That's Jordan Sweeney level of clutch right there. Absolutely. No, it is. It is. Yeah, I mean, he came straight from the baseball game. I'm not surprised. Might have some DNA in there. Well, it's um, funny. Uh, <laughs> I actually got a post-game interview with Jordan Sweeney. I think we'll play it here on the crew in hour two. Just a little soundbite of what have you. Was it cold? Was he was he icy? Was it? Was he it was. Cold? He wearing a sweater right now. No, no. He 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 was red hot. Fine, he just, was red hot. I just red. Jack for a Jordan Sweeney interview for the Targo. Did you now? <laughs> yeah, because I was like, this dude's the lead. No, he's incredible. He's an incredible guy. Unbelievable player, unbelievable. I mean, he's remarkable. But, but Brett, Brett, I'll shut up. You go ahead. Brett, you've had more than enough time now, so this better oh, be a yeah. lot. Oh no. Well, I mean, my if my fifteen and five record is indicative of anything, I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm pretty solid at this, especially in the department rankings here. Um, but tied for first, tied for first, I'm, brother. Tied for first. That, that's true. Alice and I, the Tuesday crew is running away with this thing. Except for me. But, but uh, we don't talk about it, uh, Eddie. But, but um. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a player combo from Minnesota, Memphis, and I'm gonna go with my man Anthony Edwards. The for the players points plus rebounds plus assists, the over under is thirty three point five. I'm gonna go with over. I think he's gonna get close to that mark in points alone. So it's at minus one twenty. Lock it in. Anthony Edwards is gonna go off tonight and Minnesota with headband Patrick Beverly and crew <laughs> is a different squad. I mean, Minnesota's a scary team, man. Like, if they can keep that going and somehow take a 2-0 series lead on Memphis and they're able somehow to win the series, again, I'm getting far ahead of myself right now, but let's say they win 2-0 and they continue this momentum all the way forward, they could be a 7C that can be really, really frightening Wait for some second. teams. What was your lock again, Brett? Sorry, repeat real quick. No, you're good. So I 
I, I went for that Minnesota-Memphis game. Uh, players, points, plus rebounds, plus assists, a player combo. Anthony Edwards over 33.5. Wow, all right. Minus 120. All right, so we're both in that game. It's good to know. I'm going with New Orleans-Phoenix tonight. 10 p.m. Eastern. TNT, game two, Suns up 1-0 in the series. Phoenix has got it in the bag, I think. They'll, they'll, they'll take a 2-0 jump. The but spreads... wait, Alex, real quick. Let me finish. Let me finish now. I got something to add. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no you can finish. finish. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the spread's 9.5. They cover it easily. Were Phoenix you... easily covers it. All right. Were you... so I was going to take that too, actually. This okay. is why I'm about to tell you this. Okay, okay. Were you aware that Chris Paul is playing this game and Scott Foster is officiating? In the playoffs, uh-huh. when Chris Paul plays the game and Scott Foster officiates it, he is 0-13, has never won a game. Really? Yes. That'll change tonight. Never won a game. And while I think it'll change tonight because obviously it's Phoenix and it's the Pelicans, I don't know, man. I, it's a, it's a, I, I so feel like it's gonna, at this point. So, so you're going to give me a reason. Some Mickey Mouse, well, little, little sh- uh, games, shuck luck reason here. Playoff games is a lot uh, of playoff I, games. That's, all right, fair enough. That's a lot of playoff I think, games. I think you're wrong. I think it oh, will I'm be not arguing against you. That's no, 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 right. my luck. No, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Oh, okay, all right, fair enough. I, but I, I think, I'm telling you to proceed with caution. Ellis, I appreciate it. I don't think some Mickey Mouse luck charm is going to make or break my luck this week. I think I'm okay. I think I'll be just fine. But thank, but thank you very much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. See, Ellis Gordon, what a guy he is. He's incredible, this guy. What a guy, Carmen. He's what a real a class act. He's, and Ellis actually owns up to his bets. I'll give him that. <laughs> Gideon Fox, we're going to get your lock in. Ah, uh, geez, that's a tough act to follow. Mr. Sports Director-Elect, the floor is yours. Um, So I'm going to go to the NHL tonight, Eddie. Like you mentioned, things are you know, getting towards the end of the season. And a big slate of NHL games on tonight. One team I have going deep in the playoffs, the Florida Panthers. They're taking on the New York Islanders tonight. Um, the Panthers will be on the road, but still, you take the Panthers' money line at minus 215 and parlay it with the Vancouver Canucks team over of 3.5. That comes in at minus 144. Parlay that together. You get odds of plus 148. I think that the Vancouver Canucks could single I mean, I think in this game, um, the over-under line for the entire game is 6.5. I think that could happen. Um, the Canucks are, pr- or excuse me, the the Senators are pretty bad. Um, they they've been struggling a lot. In pretty bad's games. one word for it. They're really bad. Yeah, exactly. And and the Canucks are kind of playing for everything on the line right now. I right. don't know if they've officially been eliminated yet. Um, they made a, a little bit of a run, but I mean the Senators are second to last in the Atlantic Division. Um, a team that is going to give up a lot tonight. Um, sure, they could score a goal or two. Maybe that would if you want to play. The, the game over under, um, but I think the lock right there would be the Canucks team over three and a half minus one forty four. If you want to get better odds, parlay it with like I said, I parlayed it with the Panthers money line, um, parlay it with the Wild money line at minus two eighty. Uh, everything else is just a little bit too much. Um, there's really no value in minus four fifty on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but expect the Canucks to put a lot of goals up tonight. Cra- oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was gonna say a crazy stat about the NHL before we veer off of the. Um, so, the, the Eastern Conference in the NHL is loaded. It's absolutely crazy. The, if things go right, this could be the first year in NHL history that every playoff contender in the Eastern Conference has a chance to finish with at least a hundred points or more. And that I, I just found that to be so crazy, and I, ha- I had to put that out there. Well, it's very top-heavy, and then you've got some bottom-dwellers 
at the very bottom that aren't doing so well. But, I mean, the Eastern Conference is stacked for sure. NBA, NHL, I guess that's just the story right now. The Eastern Conferences are just so stacked. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll touch more on it when we come back. Uh, some more to get to here on the WRSU Tuesday crew. About 20 minutes left in hour number one. Eddie Kalegi with Gideon Fox, Brett Hahn, Alex Carminati, and Ellis Gordon. RSU crew on 88.7 FM and streaming live at WRSU.org. Eddie Kalegi here with your WRSU Tuesday evening sportscast. The Big Ten leading Rutgers baseball team is now top 10 in the nation. The 8th-ranked Scarlet Knights extended their winning streak to 15 last weekend, nabbing three consecutive come-from-behind victories against the Indiana Hoosiers in the 8th inning or later, capped off by a walk-off home run from first baseman Jordan Sweeney to win on Easter Sunday matinee to secure a sweep. Today, the Knights ran the streak to 16, routing Iona 19-1 to improve to 31-6 on the season. Sweeney was dominant from the plate yet again, going deep twice. Here's the 0-1 now, Sweeney. High fly ball, is it towards center field? It is going to be gone! Jordan Sweeney goes yard again. Back to back for number 32. Rutgers continues the home slate tomorrow against Princeton and then face Iowa, another top team in the conference this weekend, as the Hawkeyes make the trip to Bainton Field for a three-game set beginning Friday. Rutgers men's lacrosse is also stealing national headlines as the Scarlet Knights rose to number four in the country following a thrilling 13-12 victory Saturday against the Michigan Wolverines in Ann Arbor. Ronan Jacoby had a hat trick, including the game-winning tally with 3.44 left in the fourth quarter. Rutgers clinched a first-round bye in the upcoming Big Ten tournament and will close out their season on senior day this weekend at SHI Stadium against rival Penn State. Rutgers softball in the midst of a 10-game losing streak is currently facing off with the Maryland Terrapins in a doubleheader in College Park. The Knights currently trail 7-5 in the sixth inning of Game 1, following RBI singles from Kobe Hura and Peyton Linkavich to cut the deficit to two. In the local area in the professional world, the Mets playing a doubleheader against the NL West leading San Francisco Giants. At last check, Game 1 is tied at 4 heading into the bottom of the 10th inning. Tyler McGill allowed 4 runs in the first 3 innings, but Francisco Lindor evened the score with a home run in the 6th. The Yankees, on the other hand, visit the Detroit Tigers tonight to kick off a 3-game series. Ace Garrett Cole takes the mound looking for his first win of the season. In the NHL, the Rangers host Winnipeg, and the Islanders face Florida in Nassau County. And finally, the NBA playoffs continue tonight as the Miami Heat, Minnesota Timberwolves, and Phoenix Suns all look to take 2-0 leads in their first-round playoff series. That's all for your WRSU Sportscast. I'm Eddie Kalegi. More of the WRSU crew after the break. Welcome back to the to the final 15, now 14 minutes of the first hour of the Tuesday Crew. I'm Gideon Fox along with Eddie Kluge, Brett Hahn, Alex Carminati, and Ellis Gordon. And guys, our last segment was locks, 
And right as that was happening, our assistant sports director-elect and I got to talking, and we decided we're going to come up with a system next year, along with our stats major and GM, Dennis Geisler, Uh and we're going to find some way to track them. I know Dennis would want to do something with, like, probability with the locks. If you give a minus 1,000 lock, you know, it's going to look way worse than if you did, you know, a minus 200 lock. Um, But what do you guys think about that? What do you think about a way to track and a way to, you know, there'd be some incentive um, at the end of the semester, end of the year. I love it. I like it. As a competitor, I love it. Mr. Sports Director-elect, I agree. And you got Alex Seal approval, that means none of that. That's honestly all I was looking for. I mean, now (laughs) it's (laughs) signed and sealed. Get ready for it next year. Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm not yours, but signed, sealed, delivered. (laughs) 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 That's funny. On that note, um, you know, I'm pretty happy about it. You know, I've had the tendency of actually doing better when it comes to doing predictions and stuff when it's actually tracked. Like when I do it with my podcast, it's like much better when I do that than, I don't know, this one it's just in my head. I don't know. I've just had a really bad year with my locks. And yeah, I know I see Brett Hahn pumping his fist. I know Francisco Lindor just hit a walk-off single in the Mets one. Let's You're go. You're kidding Let's me. Let's go. You're kidding me. Eight and three, baby. Francisco Lindor uh, finally did something yeah, worth all that money. And he had an RBI double earlier in the game. You know what? You know what? Last year was did a bad he? year. This season so far through 11 games, he's playing really, really Him well. and yeah, McNeil are raking. Games. Wait till They're doing game 25. No, no. Wait, wait till mid-May. Everyone's getting hurt. <laughs> Everyone's getting hurt for the Mets. God, hey, God forbid, for your sake, God forbid that happens. But knowing the Mets, that'll happen. Probably. It probably will. But ironically, the Mets' best stretch last season was when everybody got hurt in early May, and they had to play like Kevin Pillar as like their leadoff hitter, and Ted Cameron may have been hitting third. So. Mets legend. I can't believe they let him go. Especially Kevin, after getting hit in the bl- face like that. Excuse me, Blue Jays legend. Blue Jays legend. That man raked against the Yankees every time he played us. He did. He was he was, he was classic with Toronto. You're, and, I mean, he's not been the same player since. He, he's been a journeyman since that. Stint in Toronto where he was all star, top notch, all that stuff. Although with the Mets, he he might have got smashed in the face. He was still a pretty good player for the Mets off the bench. He was still a pretty good death piece. And he got smashed in the face and was back to play the outfield very soon after that. And was in the clubhouse the next day with like closed pins on his nose, two black eyes, and he was like ready to go. (laughs) Such a legend, legend. It's the heart of a warrior. It's the the Steve Cohen way. The will will ponds are gone. (laughs) Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen is here, and the Mets era of baseball begins. And the injuries continue. So, uh, I feel like this team has turned a corner ever since Steve Cohen went on Twitter at 7 o'clock in the morning that time to call out Dom Smith for swinging at pitches out of the zone. <laughs> since then. Imagine getting, like, oh, my God. Imagine getting... Imagine getting um like flamed by your owner on like just Twitter on a random... Your like, own owner, up. right. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean... Yeah, Steve Cohen, he's a character, that's for sure. I mean, he's something. The thing is, what? why do you call him Uncle Steve? Why that? What makes him Uncle Steve Cohen? I mean, I mean, ha- have you seen what the Wilpons did to the Mets franchise? I mean, yeah, a- a- at this point, any semblance of love towards the baseball team, you I might mean, as well call him Uncle. Michael's already taken the title of Daddy Steve, so we have to find something <laughs> Oh, you're kidding me. Has he really? Wait, where'd you see this? When did this happen? There, okay, there, I was in the student section for the Illinois game, and I don't know. Justin Eddie's mind. Justin Eddie's nah, mind. Maybe it was because I was towards the top of the student section, and that's where, I don't know, a lot of weird things happened up there. And how there about was a Papa solid, Steve? How about that? Yeah, but there was a solid three rows of girls that started chanting Daddy Steve when they were announcing the names. So the, announcing the starting lineups and your coach is Steve Peichel and then there was just a bunch of girls who started chanting daddy Steve daddy Steve 
if I have to watch, sorry, I'm, I'm watching the Yankees game right now. If I have to watch another Giancarlo Stanton, like, he just swings like the bat. Like, he has no idea where his bat's going. This <laughs> ball was, look, come watch this. <laughs> look how far the strike zone this ball is. You see that? He's just swinging to swing. That ball is nowhere near the strike zone. You guys should see this. this I've waited a whole semester to be on the Tuesday crew, and I know Amir's not here right now, but this exceeded all of my expectations. So, congrats to you this guys. Is hey, this that, is calm. That, that that you, this is calm. This is actually a calmest episode of all time, I think. Hey, hey, Shadow Sharp is not here. I haven't had the lower Alex's levels yet, so, Shannon so we're, Sharp. We're, we're, we're doing <laughs> Shannon good. Shannon Sharp, for whatever reason, couldn't make it tonight. He, he's, sick, he's sick, apparently. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, fair that's enough. Fair reason. But anyway, about okay, Steve Pike, listen, he's winning over the culture, and that's good. He is. Sorry, yeah. I was going to say that, but then I but, saw Jokar Stanton swing but, at a horrible pitch on 2-2. Two and two. But Daddy Steve... I don't know. I'm just Daddy Steve. I'm just reporting as an observer. I get it. I, no, I get it. I get it. That that's your job. I get it. How about he's winning pa- the he's winning the culture. How about Papa Rutgers Steve? Basketball? How about that? Or I don't know. Emperor Steve or well, you know what? Admiral yeah. Steve yeah. or whatever. I don't know. Admiral Steve. But that just that all Leave of that Navy. all of that leaves <laughs> Uncle for Steve. We all know. So the Rutgers, Fair the, the Rutgers Navy goes against the Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> Admiral Steve. Yes. Riot Squad has to get all new merch to change it to Rutgers Navy. <laughs> <laughs> they changed the official school color to a dark shade of blue. Oh my goodness. <laughs> they wear like boating hats. <laughs> <laughs> Admiral Steve. Admiral Steve Peichel. There's some anchor pun they throw in about Jersey Mike's arena. It becomes like, I don't know, the hull. The, the oh, sh- I don't know. One of them shows up the with like a hall. steering wheel and like a parrot on their shoulder. <laughs> the Rutgers bus has gone into the water. It's now the Rutgers ship. <laughs> <laughs> and it might work better, to be honest with you. <laughs> they might move better, too. Now, I I like Admiral Steve. I'm just saying that. I like Admiral Steve. I like General Greg Schiano. I like that one, too. That's pretty good, I think. General, General Greg, Greg Schiano. And, yeah, I mean, come on. Why not? Those two, what else do I got? Alex, it's baseball season. What about Coach Owens? Oh, Coach Owens. Hmm. <laughs> That's good. Corporal Goat. Coach Steve. Corporal Steve Owens. How about that? Goat Owens. Corporal Steve Owens. Uh, Lieutenant Mike O'Neill. And how about Sergeant Jim McKeldry? <laughs> I think it all sounds pretty good. Sergeant Jim McKeldry. You should bring this up to them. No, I'm I I may maybe do something like that in your next interview. Oh no, I definitely won't. <laughs> Imagine Sergeant Jim McKeldry, and he's he's a good guy. McKeldry's a heck of a guy. I've never heard someone you, Alec. I've never heard you someone some like. Have you ever called someone a bad guy? Oh, yeah, actually, I shouldn't even bring this up because I know what you're gonna say. I have. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's I have. On. I have. Let's move on. There's, there's a, a lot trap. of people Alice called not good. <laughs> I walked into a really bad trap by asking that. Yes, yeah, she yeah. did. Yeah, you just opened up the floodgates. Where do I begin? No, no, let's just <laughs> no not, let's not begin. Let's just let's move just on. leave I, it at the fact comments. that we know Alex says that a lot of people are good, classy guys, but there are also a lot of people that he says are bad guys. Yeah, for clowns. Clowns. Let's move on. You know. L- uh, like La Clown James, uh, <laughs> no, 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 let's move no, on. I know, I know. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like I can, I can give you a good list of people who are phenomenal, class act, lovely people. I can also give you a list of people who are Mickey Mouse clowns and who some of the most. What if you met over- LeBron James, and he was like so nice to you. He like offered you like a dinner at your house. Like, well, you have, you have to feel LeBron, bad about what you said about yeah, him. yeah, yeah, but LeBron's a little too cheap to to do that for me. He he, uh, he wouldn't do that to me. Uh, he wouldn't what if do he that invited you in for Taco Tuesday? Taco Tuesday? I'd rather have Taco Tuesday with a Rutgers baseball team that's won 16 straight games than have Taco Tuesday with LeBron James who's sitting on the couch right now for the playoffs. 
I'd rather do that. Interesting correlation. Got I'd rather do that. With Taco Fall, though. I mean, Taco Fall. Oh, wow. You, you have to. Is Taco, Taco Fall a class Fall. act? I wouldn't want to mess with Taco Fall. All right, so that's a class he act. Would, he, ex- well, yeah, class act, but also at the same time, if I mess with the guy, he's going to stomp me. He's going to stomp on me and kill me. Possibly. I don't know. Here's an important question for you, Alex. Go ahead. Two of the top big players in the NBA, Taco Fall and Boban Marjanovic. Who, do you, who, who would you rather Who would you rather have take you out for a Cuban sandwich? Oh, Boban by a mile. Yeah. By, by far, Boban, Boban does feel pretty funny. Like, I feel like Bo- he's really funny. No, Boban's hysterical. Boban, my, my, he, he, wow. He is something. You just he's have to really make sure something. you use a coaster. Yes. Because yeah. he'll, he'll, he'll get mad at you I if you will, don't use a coaster. No, I will. <laughs> I will use a coaster. I will. I will. Because I know. I don't. I don't blame the guy. Now, 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 another guy who sh- who we should talk about, Jake from State Farm. Jake from State Farm is a real nice guy. Have you met him? I have not, but I, but I can tell he's. Which a, one? The we are Jake not sponsored State by State, State Farm State here State at WRSU. You. We are not, but out there. the new Jake from State Farm is phenomenal. Interesting. Even the old one, Jake with khakis, he's great too. I like him as That's well. Such an interesting take. No, Jake. Jake from State Farm is a good guy. Hmm. Uh, now. You know, you know what? I just have a new I have a new idea for an extra guest to add to my dinner. Jake from State Farm. How are you going to reach out to him? You think Amir has connections? To well, Jake? well, he knows Donovan Mitchell. I can just uh, hey. Doesn't he know Jake from hey, State Farm? Well, he could. The NBA, State Farm, they're kind of close together. What? Way? They're kind of yeah. I don't know. A lot of NBA players are in those commercials. They are. Well then, you can also get at that point. You might as well get Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's one. Aaron Rodgers. That's, yeah. like, that's, that's true. That's true. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, no, oh no, no 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 no. Get Jordan Love. You don't want Aaron Rodgers. No 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 no. Aaron Rodgers. If if I went had dinner with Aaron Rodgers, wow mm-hmm. wow. Well, you'd be third place the rest of your life. That's the I don't think so. No no no. no. <laughs> He's incredible. Aaron Rodgers can write. Aaron Rodgers can write a whole book about how to win bronze. Give me a break, pal. <laughs> Unbelievable. You 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 and your Yankees over here with John Carlos Stanton being paid what? Three hundred million dollars right, to make and miss like that? Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. You know what? We brought up Aaron Rodgers. It's worth something. We got a few minutes left in the Go hour. Ahead. The big golf match coming up in uh, July. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady against Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Oh it's Capital One's the match this summer. That's gonna be awesome. That's well, gonna be fun. I one thing I know, Aaron Rodgers, he's finishing third. I know what Brady's finishing, but he's finishing third. Aaron Rodgers, I, I tell it's you, it's two teams. How are they going to finish third? Well, in terms Rogers of like score, and just like score. Rod- now, now Rodgers, I'm sure is a great golfer. He's a better football player, of course. No, he's a great golfer because no. he spends <laughs> all his time golfing. No, he does not. I I knew that that would come up if I said that. But I play golf twice a year. Twice a year. That's it. If I'm lucky, twice a year. And if I play golf with Aaron Rodgers, I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers would change my swing forever. He would change my swings forever. He would. Aaron Rodgers is just an ultimate athlete. How would he change your swing? Have you seen my swing? No, that's why I'm asking you. You (laughs) How would he change your swing? You should see. Look, my, my swing's not bad. Do but you swing it like a baseball bat? Or no, like, do you actually I don't. Like- I don't. But my my problem is that, like, I can either start pretty good and make my way in, like, f- four or five strokes, possibly, or I can start really, really bad and be there forever. That's my problem. My putting game, I'm still working on. My, uh, my mid-range is okay. My driving, I can slap the ball far. But the thing is, look, I play twice a year only. I'm... I am at the driving uh, range at times and things like that. No, I, I I play golf. Golf is a great game. Golf is a phenomenal game. And Jordan Spieth, 
He's the man. Jordan Spieth is my guy. Maybe you take because like if you take lessons with Rogers and not Jordan Spieth, right? You'll become like second or third the whole year. No, I think I'd be pretty pretty good if I took lessons with with Aaron Rodgers. If I also took lessons with Jordan Spieth, I'd be even better. I'd be phenomenal too. And I I tell you, I'd rather play golf on the actual golf course than John Carlos Stanton right now, who's swing like he's on the golf course and he's missing the entire time. What an interesting correlation again. There you go. One interesting correlation. I tell you, you know, we just, uh, Mr. Sports Director Elect, I just want to let you know, on the, on the two, like this Tuesday crew, we, we, we just love to have fun. We love to have a blast of time. We like to have fun. Amir Lighty, Shannon Sharp, for whatever reason, is not here today. He's sick, fair enough, but. Also, I just want to say, the Yankees did end up getting runs this inning because with bases loaded two outs, Josh Donaldson popped one. All the way up to the pitcher, and the pitcher, it went in his glove and out of his glove for the would have like the worst error I've seen actually probably ever watched baseball. You're playing Detroit. Give me a break. He literally was. He literally, and then two runs went in. You should have seen the defense from the Diamondbacks these last few days against the Mets. I was was even worse. Oh really? It was bad. Or Alex Bohm in the first three innings of that one game between the Phillies and the Mets when he had three. Joely Rodriguez needs to go back to pinch right. I cannot stand him. Joely Rodriguez is the worst reliever I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) This because everything the Mets touch turns to awful. No, I'm, I mean, and then there's the Yankees who lost to the Orioles in the series already. You lost to Baltimore? You lost to the Baltimore Orioles? What, are yeah, you kidding me? Yeah, we lost the series to the Orioles. That's pretty bad. <laughs> but we lost the, the game to the Diamondbacks, so I mean, that's fair. Hey! No, we lost the series. It was pretty bad. We couldn't score runs. And we, the, the Baltimore thing, Orioles. We, we, we wasted Nestor Cortez pitching 12 Ks in five innings in an immaculate inning, and we couldn't get a single run on the board. The Baltimore Orioles. The Yankees are an embarrassment. The Baltimore Orioles. I mean, they have Cedric Mullins. No, the, Yan- the Yankees are the perfect ex. Like they're going to go to the wild card because they have just enough talent to go. And they'll and lose. They, yeah, I, know. I agree with you. I'm a Yankees fan. I agree with you. That w- that. We'll leave it at that because we are at. The I end hate of the Yankees. We're yes. at the end of hour one. That was an interesting. Can we just talk segment that went from betting to going out to dinner with Boban Marjanovic to right. Alex's golf swing. But uh, hour two coming up. We got and two- Admiral Steve Peichel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Hour two coming up. We got uh, an interview, and then we'll be talking some more, probably some NBA playoffs. Uh, that's coming up. So we'll get into that in hour two. Eddie Caligi, Brett Hahn, Gideon Fox, Alex Carminati, and Ellis Gordon on the Tuesday crew on 88.7 WRSU-FM New Brunswick and streaming live at WRSU.org.